Hey, it's Eric G. Around the House is sponsored by Baldwin Hardware. For 75 years, Baldwin Hardware has been known for its first-class quality and craftsmanship in door and cabinetry hardware. As an alumnus of the Baldwin Hardware Design Council, I can say I have seen the details and quality from design to the finished product. If you're looking for a new style and old-world craftsmanship, I can tell you there is only one Baldwin Hardware. Check out what would look great in your home at baldwinhardware.com. It's around the house. The word composite decking seems very simple to many people. Um, and then when you dig into it, I, it's, it's, it's a word that's used to describe any wood alternative decking that's, on, that's going on your, on your deck. And there's different types. There's a traditional, like you mentioned, a wood plastic composite that may be uncapped like in previous years, or now it's capped with a durable cap stock now. Uh, there's a PVC option, which is polyvinyl chloride, and that's another product that doesn't contain wood. And then there's also something unique to decorators called mineral-based composite. It is a composite decking, but it's a composite of, of non-wood components. So it's polypropylene and mineral like that you would find in like a limestone, like calcium carbonate. Interesting. So, when it comes to remodeling and renovating your home, there is a lot to know, but we got you covered. This is Around the House. Welcome to Around the House with Eric G and Caroline B, where we talk home improvement every single weekend. Thanks for joining us. Hey, Caroline, how are you? I'm doing well. How's everybody doing in radio and podcast land today? Ah, this is going to be great. I'm doing great. We're going to have a good time taking it outdoors today. We've got Jace from Decorators. Welcome to Around the House. Hey, thanks for having me, guys. Appreciate it. Hello, Jace. You guys have been really doing a lot with that outdoor living space from decking to railing to just one huge resource online. Let's talk about what you guys do, man. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah, Decorators is, um, you know, from its early stages, you know, started out as a company that introduced the world to the black round aluminum baluster that was the big innovation at the time right uh, <laughs> everybody had the wood decks and then they would change those wood balusters to aluminum and that was that was really where we started and you know you come to now and it's decorators is truly a, a fully outdoor living brand from decking and railing to creating that entire outdoor living space um, whether it be on the back of your home the front of your home um, it, it's truly about helping homeowners personalize and enjoy the process as well as enjoy the actual deck uh, at the end of the day. So, And this is like a sexy topic. It's the hot topic. When we go to somebody's house, like <laughs> no one asks about the kitchen anymore. That's like old right. school. Now it's like, dude, do you have like a hot tub? Do you have outside decking? What kind of grill do you have? Do you have lighting? And Eric knows because my co-host has got it all going on out there. He just put his TV in there. So he's... <laughs> It's, you're not alone. It's it's such a, a hot uh, trend right now, especially with the past couple of years of people being um, maybe stuck at home or not trailing as much. Um, the investment in this outdoor living space or you know, it really an extension of your home. It's not even like a deck anymore. Mm -hmm. it's, it's, it's truly becoming like another room or rooms off your home um, and there's fashion and there's style and trends and and the the functionality of the space and it's it's really a fun place to be right now 
You know, it's funny. It is the least expensive way to add living space to your home that you can use for, depending on your climate, a fair amount of the year. It, for sure. And I think in some states, they actually consider the deck as square footage on living space and like real estate. So yeah, you're right. It's, it's an, an easy way to add another living room on your home for your family to enjoy just outdoors. Our friend David Applebaum, who is an architect to the stars, and he comes on the show quite frequently. So he's a friend of the show. Taught me this little trick that if you extend and match your flooring to your deck. So if you're in one living space and you basically take that same color tone and extend it to the deck, it Mm -hmm. extends that eye and makes that living space look so huge by putting on a deck or an outside patio. So I have sort of adopted that and philosophy and it does it makes for a smaller space where you actually have small living space feel so much bigger Mm -hmm. yeah a lot of a lot of what we do at decorators from a product development standpoint is really start with exactly what you're talking about what's what's happening inside the home and how do we bring that outside so it might be the textures the green patterns or the colors of the flooring that are inside and how does that seamlessly transition to that room outside or even fixtures and faucets and cabinet poles and what are the the trendy uh finishes you find there those are going to play outside perhaps in your railing finish choices and you start to really blur the line between inside and outside um, and truly create kind of an indoor outdoor seamless transition very true very true and one of the things that i love is the composite decking out there i will never for the rest of my life i don't care where i'm building the house not do a composite deck anymore because after putting in you know the various versions of composite decking over the last probably decade to 15 years it has gotten so much better than the original kind of what i'd call non-capped trex deck Mm -hmm. that i had troubles with as an early adopter but i i am very happy to not have to stain or paint a deck ever again yeah you're you're certainly not alone and and you're right. I, I think I think you hit on a really great topic is the word composite decking seems very simple to many people. Um, and then when you dig into it, I, it's 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 a word that's used to describe any wood alternative decking that's on that's going on your on your deck. And there's different types. There's a traditional, like you mentioned, a wood plastic composite that may be uncapped like in previous years, or now it's capped with a durable cap stock now. Uh, There's a PVC option, which is polyvinyl chloride, and that's another product that doesn't contain wood. And then there's also something unique to decorators called mineral-based composite. It is a composite decking, but it's a composite of of non-wood components. So it's polypropylene and mineral like that you would find in like a limestone like calcium carbonate interesting how does that hold how does that hold up jace like so i've never i don't think i've ever seen that particular product it's the mineral based composite is is incredibly unique and it holds up it's it sets the benchmark for for quality and 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 a premium tier of decking in the industry so there is traditional composite which is certainly a fantastic product WPC, we'll call it. You go to MVC, yeah. mineral-based composite, um, and the benefits that come with that are, you know, there's no organic material, so it's not going to absorb water, and you have far more versatility with that. You can install it 
um, or directly over a concrete patio or on a rooftop deck or um, closer to the ground in a ground contact kind of moisture situation. It also um, is incredibly lightweight. So it's about 35% lighter than a traditional wood plastic composite. So even just working with it in your backyard, carrying it nice. around helps a lot. Yeah. Um, and probably the biggest benefit, at least for builders, is uh, you're laying this decking down and you want to you want to make sure this thing looks nice. Your seams, your 45 degree miter cuts. I don't know how many times you guys have done something where you build, you come back a couple days later and the weather is, you know, the, the heat and the cold, that 45 degree miter might have opened up a little bit. Um, mineral based composite really addresses that by having the lowest thermal movement of any of these decking options. So your 45 degree miters stay tight, your seams stay tight, um, and it looks the way you built it initially. So Nice. Yeah, that was one of the problems that with the original kind of wood chip plastic stuff that they came out with the original composite decks. Mm -hmm. I had more problems with that stuff because it wasn't capped. So anywhere around the barbecue where you would drip grease, that would um, discolor and those grease stains would actually soak into the product a little bit. Yeah. And so it was very hard to get that out. Um, my mom and dad, uh, geez, probably 12 or 15 years ago, they were trying to come out back in that day with a composite fencing using the same deck boards with that same material. And, and their house in Eastern Washington, it looked like it was made out of silly putty after one summer sure. because it was a complete failure of that system uh, just because it didn't hold up with the, with the, you know, 110 degree heat outside. It got too soft. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's that, there's, there's a couple of questions that most homeowners ask most frequently. You hit on one of them. Does it get hot? And the other one is, does it get slippery? Um, and the slippery one is, is becoming far more of a concern for homeowners because it is a, it is a wood plastic or a, or a wood alternative decking. And if it gets wet and you have more people staying in their homes longer, uh, they may be aging in those homes. Uh, your, your deck being slippery is, is certainly an issue or around a pool. Um, you want to have that kind of traction. So, um, something that decorators, uh, offers in our top of the line decking called voyage decking. It's the mineral based composite. Um, and our family's called voyage. Uh, we feature something called enhanced traction. Uh, and it is independently tested. It is 34% or greater surface traction than any other composite decking in comparison. Uh, that's in wet and dry conditions. So um, it goes back to kind of what we try to do is listen to homeowners, listen to contractors, and, and try to address not just innovation because we can, but innovation to solve a problem that, you know, slip resistance is certainly one. And because of the makeup of that decking too, um, everything gets hot. There's a disclaimer, everything gets hot in the sun. Um, but heat dissipation is also something. So if it is hot and the cloud comes by, um, certainly, you know, mineral based composite tends to lose that heat quicker. Uh, and so, um, yeah, that's a big part of innovation is just understanding how you're going to use these products, how builders are going to use them and try to try to provide solutions to those problems. See, Jace, I live in the Pacific Northwest, and where we have this issue is on the western side of Oregon and Washington, where we live out here, we get that weather where springtime comes around and you have a layer of slime on everything. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So it doesn't matter if you've got, um, you know, a wood deck or a composite deck, 
you've got this kind of thin layer of slime, which makes it, if you haven't maintained that, can make it pretty slippery. So that added, added traction is really a big deal for your product because that makes it so much easier to, to get out there without walking on ice. Yeah, it's, it's, it's something to say it when we've had a trade show or people come visit a showroom for a dealer and they put their feet on it. It's, it's surprising how much traction there is there. So uh, if you ever get a chance yet yeah, to, to actually get your feet on it and try it, it's, it's, it's substantial and it, and it makes a big difference. So. It's so true, Jace, when you think about the climates and such different, different requests that everybody has, right? So Eric's mm-hmm. got in the Pacific Northwest, what his trauma or his worry is, right? In my, in, in, in New York, we've got to deal with pollution, high humidity, yeah. high temperatures, heat. And I, and I was thinking as Eric was talking, you know, we deal with pollution, right? We get a lot of this black kind of sooty looking particulate that lands on everything. So we do have to do a lot of cleaning and keep things really clean. And so that means people are apt to put pressure washers on this type of thing. So like, what do you recommend when people are trying to clean these surfaces? Because my concern with my clients always is that they're using these pressure washers, like they're going out of style and then they end up destroying the deck and putting too much moisture into this decking and then you get rot and mold and sure. blah, blah, blah. Um, it's a great question. You know, like you mentioned earlier, Eric, the reason composite decking or what alternative decking is so, so popular right now is because of the low maintenance. And so um, I, I would start with just simple soap and water and a nice scrub brush. Try that first. Just give it a nice wash off. That's typically all it takes to remove some pollen or remove some of the debris that started to collect over the, you know, going into spring. Um, and if, if there's something that for some reason isn't coming off, maybe it's like a little bit of pine tar or something that's, that's kind of sticking a little more. Um, certainly a, a power washer is something you can do, but I would use it on the low setting and make sure it's a fan tip. Um, cause yes. what, what that can do is if you get too close and have it on too high a power, um, that, that really nice durable cap stock that's UV resistant and scratch resistant and, gives you the aesthetic of that decking um you you can damage that if you go too hard on the power washer but certainly you can use one at a low setting with a fan tip i'd say about stick eight inches or so from the decking yeah we've got dogs and so my composite deck i have in the back it's a lighter gray so in the winter time here they'll get out and play in the mud in the back running (laughs) around and you know there's only so much you can do with that and they'll get up on the deck and i will look out there and i'm like Thanks, guys, for making that muddy. But I just get out there with some, literally, with some Dawn and a uh, like a scrub brush that you'd wash an RV with on a pole, and twenty minutes, I've got it washed down. It looks good. Yeah, that's that's exactly that's where I'd start every time for sure. Now it's funny, you know the the how composite decks have changed. It was a great example. I was at Old Faithful probably a decade ago, and they had built a composite deck around there. I think it was using tr- the the first generation Trex product. Mm-hmm. It was a test. It didn't do well because of that non-capped. And I was like, wow, guys. Um, and not saying anything bad about Trex at all, but this was just the difference of, of that generation of product to where things are now. It didn't hold up to that heat, the chemicals, the, the stuff. It was, it, there was part of it closed off because it had, gone down from that typical, you know, solid stock one inch down to about, oh, three eighths of an inch <laughs> just because the chemicals were eating. Yeah. It is amazing how these new products out there are so durable in an outdoor environment. 
And I always tell people when you're designing that deck, make sure that you design the frame underneath it. Because if you don't treat that correctly, you've got a top surface that's going to way outlast the framing down below. Yeah, you you are right on. Uh, a lot of these decking products, you know, decorators included, um, can span anywhere from a 25-year to a 50-year warranty that covers the structure of the product, the the stain and fade uh, attributes of the product. In our case, a unique element for the warranty is we have a 25-year removal and replacement warranty in our decking, which means we stand behind it so firmly that if something goes wrong and it was our manufacturing issue, um, it was installed correctly, but for some reason it failed, the 25-year removal and replacement is to for decorators to remove the old product, replace it with new product, and cover the labor to do that. And that last part nice. is a very That's contractor. really good. Yeah, contractors, like the, the, way, the way that, you know, contractors, you know, have a, a, a vital business is to continue to move on to the next job. And when they have to come back to a job and fix something that was the error of the manufacturer and they're also not being paid for it. That's, that's just a detriment to them. So we stand behind the homeowners and also our, our installers by just making sure that if something goes wrong, we're going to take care of it there. But um, to your point on the structure though, the, the structure, yeah, you have to make sure that that thing is, is done correctly. I think before we even hit record, someone mentioned um, my ledger wasn't flashed correctly on, on the deck. Um, <laughs> yep. Things like that can can give you a, a lot of problems very quickly. That's actually the most common failure point of a deck is the attachment to the house. If it's not flashed correctly and water gets behind, um, it doesn't matter how nice the decking looks or what you did, you're going to have a failure of some sort. So proper joist spacing, proper flashing on your ledger, uh, proper footings, um, making sure that you're going down if you're in a certain market going down below the frost line. Um, those are all really important things to consider. And on top of that, I take it a step further, further before Carolyn, you jump on with yours. Mm-hmm. I always tape the top of the, of the, of the joists and stuff. So all the wood framing on top is covered with a deck tape or it's basically a flexible flashing. Yeah. So that way you don't have any water sitting on top and you can extend the life of that. I learned that from a from a guy up in Tacoma that's a big deck guy that is a world-renowned deck guy mm-hmm. that uh, he just has done that for a number of years and kind of realized that in my market where we get six months of rain, it really extends the life of that pressure-treated framing down below. It does. Yeah, we have uh, many, many builders in different parts. So in your part of the country, you know, treated lumber is a little different than elsewhere to the Southern sure. yellow pine in some markets. And I believe in your market, it's more of the incised treated. And, um, so yeah, the, the joist tape has become incredibly popular for that. Um, or in some markets using a ground contact treated lumber that has increased retention is also a really good idea. And there's Many. That's what I did on mine. It's yeah. ground contact and taped there because I just went, you, you know. Just, and then there's some that choose uh, in markets like Colorado where it's very dry and, you know, wood can tend to, you know, be, behave a certain way in that climate. Um, they just opted to go right to steel. Uh, and that's that's been another option for, for builders too. That's what I was going to talk about. Just as soon as you said framing, I'm thinking about going to a steel, using steel framing. And I wanted to get your opinion on that and how you think that fares against a pressure treated or any other type of frame. I would say pressure treated lumber is, is a wonderful option. Um, in fact, um, decorators is also associated with another brand called pro treated lumber, um, which is produced by the same company. 
It's southern yellow pine. It's treated to different standards like above ground, ground contact, critical structure. Um, the tags easily tell you that. And so um, I, I built my deck with ProWood ground contact treated lumber pretty close to the ground and incredibly satisfied with the quality of, of what we received there. Um, in certain cases, you might be in a market like, like Colorado, like I mentioned, where um, steel has just become very popular. And um, if you want to go that route, it's absolutely a great, a great decision. Um, many deck builders we work with use steel framing. They'll use mineral-based composite decking. Uh, there's now fasteners that have been developed to work with steel framing that are more self-tappers to because you need a different fastener for wood versus steel. And um, yeah, they're they're all really great options. Nice. See, that's great. And and with the way lumber prices have been so ridiculously high out there, that made steel much more affordable for a lot of people as well, because that mm -hmm. wasn't affected the same way that lumber prices were. It, yeah, it, at that time it wasn't. And it's actually swung back the other way again now, where wood's come back into um, uh, a reasonable price and, and steel's actually become higher. So it's good to have options and you can kind of play where you are in that market. That's great. You guys, you know, we've been talking about deck surfaces now. Let's let's dive into railings because mm -hmm. that is one of the things that that has really come a long way over the last decade. You know, so many people would get out there with their two by sixes that were treated and they would get out there with some, you know, two by two stock. And that was your traditional <laughs> deck railing. railing for the, like the last 40 years. And then all of a sudden we started getting into all this aluminum glass wire all those different things and it has changed how decking looks yes. across the country yeah uh, i'd say the biggest change is um a bit of what you mentioned moving from in your framing planning where that railing is going to be by having a four by four lagged into the framing and then you do the traditional like cut the notch out of the decking so your four by four is sticking out that's still very popular in some markets especially the northeast that kind of colonial um like large white railing look uh, yeah that cape cod style it's still very popular there and um it's a great it's a very great secure way to do a railing but another sure. option that's come out are these these more um contemporary aluminum railing systems that have a base plate and as long as you've mentioning structure earlier, as long as you put blocking underneath where you're going to put that railing, you can lag through the decking into the wood structure underneath um, after you've applied the decking. And you can install a really nice aluminum railing, uh, whether that be with pickets, whether that be with cable or otherwise. But that's been the biggest change is because you can build a deck and then maybe in a couple of years you can you can update the railing without updating like going on nice that's nice right right just give it an it's like a fashion statement now you can kind of do it upgrade your house without having to rip everything off and yeah make a big mess that's nice yeah and and some of those railing styles the other the other benefit is when there's when they're aluminum they can be pre-assembled so if you place the post where you'd like you can put the brackets in place sometimes they come on the post sometimes they're separate that that picket pre-assembled panel can drop right into place and it just helps with labor too as well. So um, really making it easier for professionals and for DIYers to, to add a railing. One of the things that I think is great too is, and this is something that I've really embraced over the last decade as a designer, outdoor lighting is so key when you're doing a deck. It is probably to me half of the beauty because if you're out there in the evening and you can get that well lit, whether you've got stairs or 
wherever else, you can do so much to a space by just doing that accent lighting to one, either make it safer or just beautify it in the evening. Yeah, absolutely. In, in fact, in, in many cases, stairs require lighting for code compliance. So whether you have a light on the side of your house shining on that stairway or actually add those low voltage lighting um, to the stair faces, um, that's, that's, it's safety and it also just adds a really nice aesthetic where you can use that deck far longer into the evening um, and get more use out of it. And, um, but yeah, lighting can definitely change. It can change the entire feel of the deck uh, depending on the day. Really great addition. And they can be so clean too, because it used to be, you know, decade ago before LEDs and some of that other stuff, it would be kind of clunky, big, thick fixtures. Now mm-hmm. you can even go in at those little spots that just go in there. Yeah. It looks so beautiful. If you just want to have something super clean and contemporary, there's a lot of options. Absolutely. No, I, Do you? I, would, okay. I would definitely, when someone's planning a deck, um, lighting tends to not be the initial thought. And then after they're kind of further along, they're like, you know, I think maybe we should add deck, uh, the lighting. Um, I would just give the recommendation to think about lighting and railing at the same time. Decking is always the primary, right? You, people are looking for the decking, what does it look like? And they're kind of holding those pieces and, um, railing is maybe the next thought and then lighting is even further down, but it's a really good idea to com- consider all of those pieces early on. So that it plays into your budget. It plays into the overall feel of what you're designing. I was going to bring up when Eric talked about lighting, Eric, do you remember those big lights? We had these on our deck when I was a kid, they were actually like an amber color and green and blue. And they would do these weird things They were like part, but they were all, <laughs> you know, that was the original lighting back then. And there yeah. were these giant sort of, I don't know. I call them real eighties looking lights, but that was like hip. If you had lights back then, my parents Mm -hmm. were kind of hip. So they had this cool. There you go. Yeah. It's, it just changes everything outside and you know, whether or not you're doing a a front porch or you're doing it uh, for safety coming in and out of the house and the, you know, and when it's dark in the wintertime, when you've got much less light than you do in the summertime, it's just smart to do it that way. Yeah, absolutely. Um, And And one thing I saw that on your website that I thought was really cool. Speaking of porches, you guys have a porch flooring that's composite because how many older homes out there, people are out there every three or four or five years repainting that front porch in their 1920s house mm-hmm. that has gotten, you know, 32 layers of paint. They're out there sanding <laughs> and wow, there's a composite for that. There is. Yeah. It's actually made of the same mineral based composite technology as that higher end voyage decking we talked about. So except it comes in a tongue and groove profile, which mirrors those traditional uh, porch flooring uh, homes that you see maybe out east. Um, I used to live in a, in, a, in a home out east that had a homeowners association. And so um, the colors are very traditional. There's a solid gray color called kettle, and there's a more variegated uh, hardwood-looking color called chicory. Both fall into many homeowner association um, requirements for color to maintain like historical code or, or whatever that is. Um, but just the durability to it installs like traditional um porch flooring with a 45 degree nailer and um it's just incredibly durable and a great way to add you know a, a wood alternative durable porch on the front side of the home and um yeah it's and and it that's actually on trend as well i mean if you look at new home construction right now i think the last time i looked over over 40 percent verging on half of homes now are now considering or having a porch added in the design of the new home, which for a long time that went away. Uh, the front porch kind of disappeared. 
Um, and it's yeah. coming back in a big way. Uh, I see that too in the styles. Yeah. Like a lot of people are wanting front porches. I kind of have gravitated towards that too, just wanting that sitting out front and kind of looking yeah. at the road or wherever and seeing, you know, what's going on. It's a, it's a nice feeling. Yeah, I agree. That's cool. So Chase, if you're a homeowner out there and you're trying to decide, you know, okay, I got to do a DAC. Mm -hmm. I don't know what I'm going to do. What for you is your guys' best process to start that, you know, that research and development and design part of it? What do you recommend for working through your system to do that? Sure. Uh, decorators.com. First of all, if it, if for those who are just listening, it's decorators with a K, D-E-C-K, decorators. If you go to decorators.com, um, there's a wealth of information to get started. And I think the easiest way is to go either to the website and click on start your project or go to decorators.com slash get started. It'll bring you to the same place. Uh, and when you're there, there's a number of things to, yeah, I think you need to start by just being inspired and seeing what those options are. Um, and so you're, you're starting to understand uh, what design ideas you could potentially uh, pursue, what color combinations, you know, make sense to pair with your siding or your, you know, uh, you're, you're starting to get inspiration and understand what are the options. And so we have a style guide catalog that you can have mailed to your home for free, or you can download the PDF and gives you all sorts of, you know, insight on the different decking and railing options and how they combine and what they might look like on your home. Um, and from there, there's, you know, there's a blog, there's a deck design tool, a deck designer, where you can actually start to take those inspiration ideas and bring them to life in a more virtual space and add your measurements and really start to say, this is, this is really what is starting to take shape now. Your dream is starting to kind of get some form to it. Um, and I, I think another big, a big decision is, are you going to do it yourself or are you going to hire a professional? And the reason I bring that up as really important early on is because professionals are, are very busy. They're booked out for months. <laughs> so if you are, if you're planning to have your deck ready in the spring and you call somebody in January, um, you might think you're early, but it's, you're, you're going to be on the books. Or I yeah. would say if, if somebody's ready to take you at that time, it might not be the contractor you want to hope for. <laughs> I was just going to say that. I was going to say, if you're sitting there, even, I mean, I'll be honest, I know plenty of contractors that if you're in mid-August and you're like, okay, I want a, a deck for springtime, you might be late springtime right now with exactly. some of these guys. That's exactly it. And part of that is they're, they're booked out. Uh, part of that is the demand for building materials across the board in general, windows, shingles, siding, decking, um, has been through the roof for years. And so, um, part of that is also, you know, the, the process of ordering the product and making sure you get what you need to. So, um, I'd say that decision on whether you're going to do it yourself or hire a professional and, and a professional, our decorators certified pros, you can find those on the website too. We have, you know, over 700 professionals that are trained and certified through decorators that you can call, uh, they can they're they're trained in the product they can help you with design ideas they can help do some of that where um what's feasible what's not what's code compliant in that in that municipality um permit pulling there's a lot of things that go into this so a professional can certainly help you you're making my life so much easier i'm like so happy because <laughs> you don't understand my deck has been like oh i'm like oh no it's just overwhelming when you're really thinking about all the options you have. And Eric's helped me narrow down like framing and things like that. But yeah. I think I'm going to have to visit your website and definitely have you guys help me out. 
that it's it's a great place for the whether you want to inspire yourself and find photos and find design ideas or if you want to hire a contractor um, and talk to a few there that's certainly a great place and I, I think the other the other thing too is so we're in August you've had a chance now this year to probably go to some barbecues or parties at people's homes and you kind of get to see styles too and like experience them and so I think it's it's important too to kind of keep your eyes open throughout the year for what what is the design idea you want to do um, and it can be as simple as you know people it used to be you picked one color and that was your deck. And now some decks have up to three colors on them with mm. uh, per, a perimeter board that is a accent color to the boards that are in the field. Um, then the railing color complements that. So it's like we started this conversation. It's not just a, a rectangle off your home anymore. It's like, what, what are these three colors you want to kind of combine and create this like interior design outside? And so... Um, really ordering samples of product and kind of fitting them together and seeing what colors work with your siding, what colors work with each other. And it, it really does help to visualize that. And then when you get to that time of calling a contractor or doing it yourself, you've really got this idea in your head of what you want. Well, Jace, that's, that's such a key point right there because that design of how maybe you want the, the boards to run one direction, yes. that really goes back to where your framing is going to be and how you frame that deck. Mm -hmm. So if you all of a sudden change the direction of your boards going, Oh, I'm going to run them this way instead, that can completely change how you do your framing on that. So now you've got to go through and figure out, okay, now I've got to re completely engineer the backside of that deck that's yep. underneath those deck boards. So coming up with that inspiration in your design first, and then after you kind of think in your head or even get it on paper, what it's going to look like, then you can kind of figure out, okay, yeah. this is where framing has to go. Yeah. And uh, otherwise you're doing this a couple of times on the design side. You have to do it. Yeah. The, the, the structure certainly is, is a key element. And, and even more than the decking, just when you, when you look to build a deck, you, so think about going to a store, if you were to buy a kitchen right now you walk into a store and they have a center with a counter and there's people that are consultants and they're going to walk you through how how are you going to use your kitchen are you going to only eat in it or are you going to entertain in your kitchen are you right-handed are you left-handed are you yep. and those are questions that oddly enough you have to start asking on your deck now like how are you going to use this space are you going to entertain or is it just a place to read you know quietly uh do you want to have a space for shade because you have the sun facing a certain direction and that's going to be bothersome at certain times. There's all these, all these things about how you're going to use, are you going to have running water? Are you going to have like a, a like a, a bar or are you going to have access to fire pit? Yeah. yeah, exactly. So it's not just the structure. It's also, how do you intend to use this space? Do you need power supply for an outdoor TV so you can watch the game or um, all those initial things start asking those questions as part of that inspiration process, because that's going to play in exactly what you said, Eric. The, the Eric needs all of the above. Framing. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Eric needs everything. I've got an eight by eight bar with a, you know, with a slab porcelain top at it and in the, in the back on mine, just because, you know, I wanted to have that space to entertain because that's mm -hmm. also going to be the, you know, three months, you know, actually probably six months out of the year, we can still entertain out there and yeah. be super comfortable. And then depending on the weather, we can extend it out from that. Yeah. And then, and that's, I mean, it's a great, just the entertaining idea, the furniture, you know, do you have a table, you have X amount of chairs, 
and you have, you know, is that space enough to adequately fit that table and those chairs that they pull the chairs out and you have a grill? Um, a lot of times it's that a deck is kind of undersized for what you really want to do. Um, and so just really take that into account. All these different facets are going to play into the overall success and comfort of the deck you're designing. And I was um, telling Eric, we got into looking into hot tubs and swim spas and all of this craziness. Mm -hmm. And the swim spa is like a huge thing and you have to build a deck around it or you have to have it on a platform. Same with the hot tub. So those are all things you have to take into consideration too, if you're going to do a deck, because what if you're going to have a heavy structure on top of it? So you have to have extra support. For sure. That is, I'm glad you brought that up because hot tubs, um, they, they are, they're incredibly heavy and heavy. they're really great on, on, on decorators decking around that NBC decking. That's greater on moisture and traction, but you do need to have proper support under your hot tub for sure. Cause it's, it's definitely a significant weight. That's when you bring the engineer in to make sure that that's, that's right. going to hold it up because, mm -hmm. uh, I can't tell you how many pictures I've seen on the internet of somebody that. First off, I go, how did you get that hot tub up there? Yeah. And second of all, that that was a feat of its own that they had to go like Egyptian on it to get it up there. But then you could tell that they didn't build that thing for it. And now, of course, the hot tub sitting up there, the the you know, the the ledgers come off the house. It's sitting at a 45 degree angle. And it's like, how did somebody not get killed on this? It's, you got to use some common sense and uh, let the engineer do their job to tell you how you build it, how you do it. So you can do it once and not have to sweat it because it's like parking an F-150 up on your deck. You got to make sure you got that mm -hmm. with by the time you put water in it. Absolutely right. It's it's hard to visit, you know, some some parties or entertainment and you go to someone's deck and um, yeah. you, want, you, 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 you see some of that structure and you're like, ah, I'm just going to, I'm going to politely maybe avoid going on that deck because it just <laughs> sit, down. It's, sit down on the patio it's questionable yeah so it really does pay to get your structure right and frankly to hire a professional i mean you're gonna you're gonna be much more happy in the end that you're not redoing everything chase so. i was working on a i'm a i've got 30 years of interior design i was doing the whole interior of this house um about a half hour away from me and i walked out on their back deck she just moved into the house i walked out into the back deck and this was because it was on a hill was probably 18 to 20 feet to the f ground level to the bottom of the deck there. I walk out and it moved so much. I reached up and grabbed the gutter because I thought we were going to go down. Yeah. And I'm like, uh, we're going back inside. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. No more. I don't like doing that. That's that. In if you were to put six people out on that deck, um, you know, it was just not framed correctly. And uh, that's one of the things that, that I always recommend, you know, this time of year as well for people out there. If you've got that older deck, you know, I know so many people, oh, I've had a deck that's it's 15 years old and it's it's got a lot of life left into it. Maybe it does. Maybe it doesn't. That's kind of the average lifespan of a wood deck. You got to really pay attention because if they didn't flash it right, if they didn't build it right, you know, if they've got 16 penny nails holding that ledger up against the house that's where accidents happen and yes. all of a sudden you're on the news yes at, at all costs we want to avoid that that decks are meant to be enjoyed uh they're meant to be relaxing and, and for friends and family entertainment and the the safer they are the, the more we can do that so for sure absolutely 
Well, I wanted to talk a little bit. Where do you see decking going forward here? Where do you see this outdoor living space? You know, what what do you see is in the future out there? Because you guys have been doing a great job of of providing a lot of the stuff and and being some groundbreaking resources for people. It's it's always a great question, and that's you know that's that's our big question all the time is where you know trying to look in the crystal ball and see where things are going to make sure we're innovating in the right spaces and solving problems and addressing trends. And um, we hit on it a bit earlier, but I think it's only going to continue that um, this, this idea of a deck being just more than a deck, people are really investing in outdoor. It's now being called outdoor living spaces. It's not even called a deck all the time. I have this outdoor living space, which includes your deck, maybe your pool or hot tub, your, your outdoor kitchen, but also um, very frequently stepping down to, you know, a paver patio with a fire pit and it's all interconnected, um, shade structures to kind of almost zone out the deck. So I, I think that's probably one of the bigger trends is there's, there's a large deck off your, off your home. You're, there's almost like this creation of pseudo zones or rooms now within the deck where this is kind of the entertainment space. This is the layout in the sun space and this is the um you know they have different zones and you can design accordingly with the color so the the perimeter borders like i mentioned you without having a railing across your deck you can kind of subtly create those those perimeters within your deck to say hey this is kind of the the reading zone or this is the the Mm -hmm. eating and friend entertaining zone so i only see that expanding because if people are just staying in their homes longer. In fact, uh, I believe last time I looked, the average U.S. homeowner was in their home for about seven years. It was by about 10 years ago. And now mm-hmm. it's closer to 13 or 14 years uh, that they're, they're not moving and they're staying in their home longer, which means they're investing in not just making something so they can sell and move on, but they're investing in something that they're truly going to use for a long time. So. I guess I have a question too, Jay. So, and and I'm going through this right now, designing a patio and then a deck and how these things incorporate. Who who does that? Because what I'm finding is the paver person comes over and says, okay, we're going to do the paver. And then you do the deck at this point. And the deck guy comes and says, oh no, I want to do the deck. But it is this incorporated space. And I need someone who's going to look at it as a, as a whole project and not individual. So- yeah. What do you think the best way to go about doing that is? Because I'm having the issue, so I'm imagining lots of other people do too. Yes. Um, I guess that would be trend number two. Um, mm-hmm. More and more certified contractors are really starting to embrace doing more than just the deck and actually looking at that entire outdoor space. They're already there. The homeowner wants to contact one person and kind of work through that backyard. So the patio truly is designed in like a seamless transition to the deck, not two different people doing that. And so there's certainly a place for hardscapers. There's certainly a place for deck builders, but more and more I see hardscapers taking on the capability of building decks and vice versa mm-hmm. um, is starting. And it's only going to increase because I think homeowners don't think of those as separate. They think of the space as one. one. And so um, I guess my recommendation is there, there are many contractors that you can find that do both. Um, they might not be a decking contractor. It might be more of like an outdoor living contractor and um, see if you can find one of those. They certainly help. Or um, when you're talking to your contractor, ask if they have contacts that they, that they work with regularly, right? So um, a, lot, a lot of professionals have 
great relationships with other professionals in their city. So, um, and they, they'll, they'll pass kind of homeowner opportunities to another saying, Hey, listen, I went to this house. I'm not really a patio guy, but you would be, you should check them out. They'd be, I gave them your number. And if those two have a good relationship, then they might work on a time schedule to kind of make that thing happen the right way. So maybe that as an interview question to your contractor, just ask, do you know a hardscaper or do you do hardscapers? The footings are the issue seem to be a lot of the issue, like what goes in first and who prepares the footings for your decking. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And you know, my, my advice to Caroline was that, okay, you know, design your deck out. So you know where those footings are, get the footings in at least. And if you're, if your patio guy wants to come in and put the patio in around those footings, then, then, you know, you're building up from there and it does give the decking guy a, a nice, clean, solid place to work from versus, you know, sitting down there with sand or whatever else where it's just prepped up. And the last thing you want to do is tear up a perfectly good patio just to put in a big footing that might be required for, you know, and who knows what that footing is. I don't know what it is in New Jersey there, Caroline, where you are, but when you start to take into frost and frost heave Mm -hmm. and some of that stuff, you got to be careful depending on where you're at with code. Yeah. And you can ask your contractor as well. And first of all, Eric, I agree completely that footers should just be be set where they need to be set and you can certainly build a patio around those and then the decking can be you know added after the fact that helps that helps the both contractors too they're trying to grow their business now in a more social media way they're both going to get a great picture of a deck and a patio as opposed to a patio with no they're they're both going to have unfinished photos unless you kind of take that process so they're, they're interested in that too but um something that is also becoming more common is um, have you heard of helical piers before? Oh, yes. I, yeah. Caroline and yeah. I just talked about that on the show a few weeks ago. And she's like, what is a helical pier? And I was starting to give that description because I've used them many times. They are, they're amazing. Uh, if you don't want to dig a hole four feet down or whatever it is in your market to get below the frost line and then remove all that dirt off your you know yard, um, mm-hmm. there are some really great companies that um, can help you with the placement of those footers, but they drive in a helical pier um, and to a certain torque. And then the engineering plans can be approved quickly and you can build on that almost immediately instead of letting that concrete cure. Um, and that's that may even be an easier way for a patio builder to work around the footers because those are just dropped in and they're very subtle. Um, but they allow builders to to build year round too. So um, that's why they're even more busy because you can drop helicals and start building in november december january and yeah you're ready to roll so is there any downside to one or the other like using a footer versus a helical peel pr <laughs> helical pier doesn't move it won't move it's all the way down in there i mean you can you can jack a house off of that so they build it's, on, yeah yeah but i mean i think the only thing would be the availability of the technician who's going to come do that yeah. and or maybe there's some added cost to it but i also would say the added cost may outweigh the time and the cost of like digging every hole and removing that dirt, uh, a concrete pile that's four feet deep below the frost line is going to be a really great option. It just, it, it takes more work. So, um, it just, yeah, it just depends, but, um, helicals are becoming far and far more, more popular. I had to use those on a project here in Portland. It was a kind of a cliff house. You know, we've got some homes up on the the West Hills here where they've built them into a, into the side of a Canyon basically. And, the front driveway is what touches and, and the driveway is, is hanging out, including the entire house. And so mm-hmm. you get out there and it's 50 feet, 60 feet from the back of the deck down to the, 
down to the canyon floor. So you're way up there. And we had a problem where the the uh, patio and their slab for their driveway had sunk because of rot. Yep. And so I actually had to go in and build a, a base to lift from, to jack it up from. We had actually had to put four helical piers and pour a pad on it just to have a lifting place oh, to be able to get it up back to level. So they're a great option and, um, you know, well over-engineered for a deck, but in bad soil conditions, bad weather, like you were saying, Jace, it is a perfect solution. For that. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I guess on the topic of trends, another trend that would kind of oppose even what we just said is um, not oppose, but be another option would be, uh, more and more people and you know so like and caroline you're more in like that new new york new jersey area where you might have more people that have limited space and they might be considering more of a rooftop deck um so like rooftop patios rooftop decks or decks in like unique spaces like um i have a concrete patio and traditional composite decking says i need to be like eight or nine inches off of that that gets hard because my door is here and, I, and now i can't do it so uh, things like mineral-based composite allow you to do that because you can you can use like our mineral-based sleepers. They're one and a half inch by one and a half inch. They go right over the top of a concrete patio, um, and you can add decking into unique spaces now instead of just off the back of a home in a traditional sense. It can be uh, a floating deck over a concrete patio. You can use mineral-based as like a walkway or a boardwalk in the ground or ground level, uh, which you couldn't do in the past. Um, mm. combining that into waterfront structures like docks or even boat launches where that mm -hmm. decking couldn't do that before. And now it's, it, it's meant to do that. Um, that's so, interesting. so Jace, that's a, that's a huge point right there that I want to make sure people understand that if you have that development, maybe you have that house that you bought that was in that plan development. And of course they build it the, the least expensive way they can. They put down the, the concrete patio off a step or two in the back. Yep. And now you're like, oh, I want to build a deck. So I either have to tear this all up, mm -hmm. excavate this, yeah. pull the concrete out. No, no, no. You could put the sleepers down and build this right over the top of that solid surface. You and you're saving yourself thousands of dollars because one, you're not having to rip the concrete up, mm -hmm. haul it off fix the landscaping from doing it and then frame up a deck. You can use that, which is much more efficient. Put the sleepers down and put a deck over the top of it. It's Far a brilliant more. way to do it. Yeah. Those sleepers are really unique. We introduced those soon after we introduced the mineral based composite, like our vault decking, our voyage decking, the core of that decking, we basically took that and turned it into a, a two by two. Um, that is water and ground contact warranted and, so now your substructure and your decking are ground contact and, and water and ground approved, but it also gives you a, a more minimal structure uh, to fit underneath that, you know, on the concrete patio, but below your door threshold. Um, and so, yeah, it gives you a ton of options and you can do that same thing on a rooftop. Those, those sleepers can sit on that rubber membrane um, and you can have a floating deck on your rooftop. Uh, maybe over the top if your home has a design where like over the top of the garage and that's that's mm -hmm. space that you can use and we're finding more and more that the versatility of decks are are not just off the back of the home in a traditional sense anymore they're they're moving into like other spaces so eric what part of it is the sleeper so i'm i don't know what a sleeper is so i'm not familiar okay so with think that. about uh, if you've got that concrete patio out there you're going to take basically a two by two and probably I didn't look at specs, but 12 to 16 inches apart, typically for a composite deck. And you're going to put those down and that's going to hold that composite deck up off of there. So you get some airflow underneath there. 
just it, it makes sense to have that airflow down there so you don't get all the muck and stuff uh-huh. just from that. But that gives you that minimal distance to build it up. Get It's going to look like a deck when it's done. Use the hidden fasteners. It looks like you built the deck on it. You can't tell the sleepers are down there because those sleepers just end up like the joists that would be on a normal decking system. But it's just sitting on top of that concrete or finished, you know, uh, completed roof deck. And it's a smart way to go. So it's mm. just building it up slightly so you get that right spacing and and uh, it keeps it out of the dirt. Yeah. Easy. Easy. And then, of course, you know, with all the fasting systems out there, that's one of the things that I love about it's something satis- just satisfying to me putting down a composite deck mm-hmm. with the hidden fastener systems. And if you're putting down a composite deck, make sure you spend the time on this. It makes a huge difference. It does. Yeah. I mean, the number one thing you're doing when you're searching for a decking that you're going to lay down is, does it look nice? And you're probably looking at, I imagine, Carolyn, you're looking at colors, you're looking at wood grain patterns, and and then you're going to drive some screws through it. And and Or you don't have to, is, is the point. So decking, at least decorator's decking, comes in two profiles. There's There's a solid profile, which you typically use on stairs or the perimeter boards so you don't see that groove. Um, and then the field boards are the, the, the one you're going to use most commonly have a groove along the side of the board. And that's to catch the flanges of those hidden fasteners that Eric's mentioning, where you, you're going to drive a, you're going to put that on the joist between the deck boards and the screw drives straight into the joist and it pulls that deck board down with it. So you don't see the fastener, except it's just between the deck boards at the joist. And uh, it's a really, really clean way to install decking. And if you have to do a top down fastener, we also offer a pro plug system, which countersinks the screw a bit, and then we make plugs out of the decking, and you take the, the plug and kind of tap it in with a rubber mallet, and it looks, it, that, that screw hole disappears. Um, but that's, that's a really on-trend thing to do as well when you're creating the space is to, you know, try to avoid, you know, all these exposed fasteners and really give it a clean look. What's that is the, latest, the sexy way to do it. Yeah. What's the latest trends now with drainage and things like that? Because I know Eric's got some really cool tips about helping, you know, prevent drainage and, and things um, from water coming back towards the structure. I mean, obviously you're looking yeah. at your pitch, but there's other things that I know Eric's familiar with. What are you guys recommending for your decking? There, There's a number of options. It depends on what you're looking to do underneath that. If you're looking to add storage space or if you're looking to add another like a ceiling underneath your deck with a ceiling fan and entertainment space it kind of has a different um you're kind of taking different steps there because the storage you can you know store your kayaks and your things underneath your deck with some minimal water management um mm-hmm. if you're looking to actually do like another room under your deck you really want to take the proper precautions there because um, water is going to find a way it's going to try to find a way down. Um, and there's some really great products that can help you do that. Whether that be, um, you know, a membrane system that kind of goes between the joists, um, and you kind of have that flow to a gutter. Um, or there are some products that are actually a combined ceiling and water system where you apply it underneath the, the underside of your deck. It, creates a, a nice ceiling look, but also helps that water um, flow away in the way. And typically gutters are used in any of these cases. Um, Is that done after? I mean, when do you recommend doing that? So say you're in the process of building the deck and I don't know what the ender space, mm-hmm. you know, is going to be, but I'm thinking maybe I might have it be a living space or maybe it's just going to be storage. Like where, where do you make those choices along the way? 
or can you do it after the deck's installed? Early on. <laughs> yeah, I would, yeah. I would do it early on. Cause like to the thing Eric keeps saying, anything you can think of, it affects your framing and you don't want to, yeah. you don't want to mess with your frame. If you get done, you frame your deck and you're like, I'd like to do water management. Well, that mm. you might have had to think about that earlier in the framing process. Um, but Traditionally, yeah, I think of it early before you lay your decking down, you kind of want to understand, are you going to put kind of a membrane between those joists that kind of loops between and it has that water flow to a gutter or you can do it after in some senses, but it just has to be the right product. Um, some kind of a, like a, uh, a ceiling system that's water management you add after the fact, but that's why inspiring yourself and looking at products ahead of time really helps you you know, understand if you're talking to a professional and you said, I want water management, they're going to, they're going to change the way they think about the framing. Your deck, right. Otherwise. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Absolutely. It's a lot. It's doing a deck is so much now. Like I think it's, it's a daunting mm-hmm. task. Like it's been overwhelming for me because there's so many things that have to go into it. It's almost like doing a kitchen. It's insane. Yeah. <laughs> you certainly can do the traditional 12 by 16 foot deck and that's wow. a pretty good DIY <laughs> rectangle. That's uh, no fun, Jace. <laughs> call, call your uncle and have it done in the weekend. You certainly can do that. But yeah, I think you know that trend we keep talking about, uh, decks are not, they're not simple anymore. People are looking to truly embrace being outside and, um, and safety is number one for sure. Making sure your structure is safe and then you have your structure planned out to have access to these things you're looking for like utilities or water or lighting and and just and and planning ahead and um the more you plan the more you won't have to deal with this later and you can just really enjoy the space no question well we're running out of time jace is there anything that we missed talking about today you know i think we covered a a pretty wide spectrum here but um yeah i just (laughs) i just repeat that uh Decorators offers some really great products in these different categories. You know, decorators, wood plastic composite decking. Uh, we have trailhead and vista decking. Really, really beautiful products that are, um, you know, just a, a traditional wood plastic composite. And you can move up to mineral-based composite with our vault and voyage decking. Voyage comes in different widths even, so you can get some really unique design ideas. And then uh, our aluminum railing systems are fantastic from pickets to cable. Um, our process is to inspire you, give you the education, the resources to create that space and the, the best product quality and warranties to do that. Chase DeBoer, thanks for coming on today, yes. man, from Decorators. Decorators.com awesome. and deck with a K, right? That's right. Decorators with a K. There we go. All right, man. Thanks again. We appreciate Thank you coming you. on and taking the time today. You got it. Thanks so much, guys. I'm Eric G. And I'm Caroline B. And you've been listening to around the house. Somewhere unseen and undiscovered Anywhere beyond the mean Life is a love song, let's be lovers Hey, it's Eric G from Around the House. Are you planning a decking or siding project this year? If you are, you've got to check out my friends at Millboard. Millboard is a completely different kind of composite decking and cladding that enhances outdoor spaces with enduring distinction. Hand molded from the finest oak, 
It realistically mimics the natural grain and color of premium hardwood. If you're looking for something that doesn't look like plastic and instead real wood, check out millboard.com. Make sure and check out that interview we did just a few weeks back. That's millboard.com.